a trump sounds in the it is the call of the great becoming born from footsteps long trodden along the pathway of journeys taken before we were who we now are this sound this drum echoes and is rebirth in each echo sounding again and again over and over causing ripples of purpose to extend outward returning once again to itself to give us the sound redefined and volumized this is this reverberation, is reverberation. hello and welcome to reverberation i am your host virgo shiraz and it is good that we are here i want you to join me in an exercise this morning just a quick exercise though you may be driving or on the road or whatever i want you to try your best to immerse yourself in this experience it will be fairly uncomfortable but it's for a purpose i promise you i want you to think about a painful memory it does not have to be your most painful memory but a painful memory and now i want you to just hold on to that moment we're going to do some examination how did you feel what did the conflict sound like what were the words that were said what did the day looked like how did you feel after this conflict did you feel angry disappointed violated confused and then i want you to go from that memory to a situation where you would have stood up for yourself a situation where you would have put your foot down to say so far no further you would have carved out some mental space and some physical space for you a time when you would have created a boundary on the spot that would protect you that would shield you that would guard your emotions from negativity how did you feel in that moment did you feel more confident did you feel a sense of victory did you feel in that moment that you were doing the best thing for you the reason why i guided you through this quick exercise today is that so many times when we're setting up our boundaries when we're we're establishing some space some spiritual space some mental space and we get the villain edit in reality tv the villain edit is a certain editing technique that would take the words of one of the cast members and splice it together to make them look like an absolute villain but they end up being the bad guy 
in a family setting, there would usually be that one person that is called the black sheep. If we delve deep enough, that person is probably the person that doesn't do the group think. They're the person that would stand up and say, you know, this is wrong. Or they make the unpopular decision. They don't go along with the entire group. Or it might be that person on the job that disagrees a little bit more just for disagreement's sake, but, you know, want to open up the situation so all parameters could be explored and understood so that there would be a well-rounded view of what's going on. And most times, if what they're saying is not a part of what the group has conceded is the right choice, they get a villain edit. Not only do family groups, work groups do it to us, but we do it to ourselves. We give ourselves the villain edit. If something we've said, something you've done, didn't get the response that we expected, or it got a negative response, and the finger of shame and blame is pointed in our direction. Then we edit ourselves as villains before someone else can do it to us because we are so used to being called the wet blanket, the bad seed. And today, I want to encourage you to Give yourself the permission to be and remain authentic. In the villain edit, we have to remember that there's times to be assertive rather than aggressive. It's the way we word things. It's the way that we say things where we can get our points across, but we don't have to ruffle any proverbial feathers in doing it. For example, I was on a job and I realized through observation that I ended up being the workhorse, taking the brunt of the work and this other person because they were comfy and close with the boss, didn't get to work as hard as I worked, so much so that I was missing coffee breaks and bathroom breaks and just having a really difficult time. And so an employee uh, meeting came up, a staff meeting came up, and we were sitting down talking about ways to make the situation more efficient because it was client-centered. And so I brought up what I had observed, that not everyone was being treated the same and that some people got extended lunch breaks when there were other persons who could not take their tea and lunch breaks because people weren't where they ought to be. Very, very calmly and generally, I made this sort of observation. And things got worse. And so I decided that I had to create a boundary for my immediate supervisor to understand that this is not working. Now, in my head, a different conversation was happening, a really different conversation was happening. And I'm not going to tell you what that conversation was, but it was in the workplace if you want to keep your job and you have bills to pay. And so this is where we employ diplomacy. There is a very good reference book that tells you that a gentle word 
turneth away wrath. So armed with that truth, I decided to use my gentle but firm words. And so the supervisor comes. I want this report at the end of the day. This is what you are to do. And you have to do it along with your regular work because there's no extension on this time thing. This should have been done three days ago, but I forgot. And I said to the supervisor, I said, I am terribly sorry, but I am not prepared to do that because your lack of preparedness does not constitute an emergency on my part. And I put my bag on my shoulder and I took my tea break. And from then on, I was labeled as the black sheep. I got the villain edit in the whole narrative of the way the office ran. They would plan activities and exclude me, social activities and all of that, just because I said no. But I decided a long time ago that. I would reinvent myself from being a people pleaser to being a balanced and functional individual. When we try to people please, when someone tries to people please, they're always accommodating. Yes, sure, no problem. They are walking the razor's edge on the verge of overcommitment. And overcommitment doesn't matter until it becomes the straw that breaks the camel's back. We want to please everyone. We want to accommodate everyone. Even in friendships, we want to be there for our friends. We, you know, we want to cheer them on. We want to be on the sidelines. We want to invest in their dreams with our positive reinforcement. We just want to pour out onto them all of the emotional positivity that we wish we had. And most times when you find people who overcommit emotionally, it's because they lack some commitment towards them and their goals. And so they're like, I don't want anyone to ever feel the way I feel. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to be there for my friends. I'm going to show up. I'm going to be present. I'm going to be a listening ear, and I'm going to do this because I know how it feels to be on the outside looking at I know what it is to traverse the emotional desert. But then we end up doing more harm than good sometimes because we're not equipped to say the word no, or I can't, or not at this time, or I'm really not available. Can we try again another time? But there's nothing as good as a Hallmark movie during the holiday times. But in real life, life is a bit more gritty. It's a bit more complicated. It's a bit more involved. You know, it's a bit more chemical and tangible than what we see displayed on TV. And it's not all good. And it's not all bad. It just is what it is. But when we understand that we need to create our own safe environment, that we become a semi-permeable membrane. And if you ever did science in school, semi-permeable membrane allows liquid to go from an area of high concentration to one of 
low concentration without flooding. The potato experiment where you carve out a well in a half of a potato and you put it in water. And then when you come back and you check, some of the water would have migrated to the well in the potato because the potato acts as a semi-permeable membrane. In our lives, we have to create space and we have to create these barriers. And a lot of times, one of those barriers, speaking the truth when nobody else would or speaking the truth when everyone else refuses to, for whatever reason. For some people, they prefer to wear the rose-colored glasses than face the truth that this situation is really bad. Victory in you being the truth speaker is when you realize that you've turned the light on for only one person. Working as an event planner, we have been trained to look at an event and try one's best to anticipate every eventuality that could occur. And that was not difficult for me because when I had my niece, when my niece was born, she had the most equipped baby bag you could ever imagine. I mean, she had everything in there. There were things for her. There were things for me. But she was the best equipped baby on the planet. And so even with my purse, my personal purse, I have one of everything. When we realize that not every day is going to be exactly the same, we start to tool our lives for the experience that we're living. You know that you're going to need patience. You're going to need understanding. You know there's no room for paranoia in your toolbox because paranoia gets in the way of truly understanding what is going on. Sometimes you need to have some extra strength to listen. And you have to have the inner locus of control not to lash out. Depending on where you work, depending on how you live, who you live with, you have to have this toolbox equipped so that you have the right tool for the job. But with the villain edits, it discounts all of this preparation that we would have made to be the best that we can be. And when the story is retold, not your side, but their side. It's a different story. You don't even recognize yourself. There is a chasm between what is said, what was heard, and what was understood. When I was in school, we did reading comprehension and listening comprehension. These were both things that we did from second grade to about sixth grade. Because in the communication process, what is said, what is heard and what is understood could be three different things, truly. And what is said, if we employ diplomacy, can be said, it can be a hard truth that is delivered succinctly, clearly, but gently. Instead of giving orders, we can offer directives. We can offer guidance. We can offer a step-by-step -step plan to make what you're expecting from that individual for the task ahead to manifest in the proper way. That's what is said. What is heard might be 
colored by that person's emotions towards you. You're telling them, giving them the directives on the tasks to be done, but what they're hearing is that you being bossy and I ain't about it today. And then what is understood is that she thinks she run things up around here and I am not about it. And so this disconnect between what is said and what is heard and what is understood is such a dangerous terrain, especially when we work with people that don't know us well or that might have other emotional barriers to them understanding us. You ever tried to talk to your child when they were angry with you? And you just knew that you and them were not walking on the same planet. You were talking and they were ignoring. You could see in your eyes that they were ignoring you. And you're talking, you're trying to reach them. And then they just check out on you mentally. They're standing there. You're talking, but your words are like hitting a barrier because they've already checked out. And then... You speak louder as if increasing volume is going to get them to listen to you. And the more you increase your volume till you're almost screaming, the more they're not even breaking a sweat or being affected by what you're saying. And you want to just take your child and shake them. But the truth is that a gentle word turneth away wrath. And so when you speak in a tone that is very even, very level, as soothing as you could manage. Then you open the door for understanding. And even though you're speaking in a quiet tone, if what you're saying is vastly different from what is heard and what is understood, you still get the villain edit because you're saying something that isn't popular. I don't want to hear that, mom. I don't want to hear that, dad. No, I want to do it this way. And you're telling me I have to do it that way. And you might even try not to come for yourself, but give them a proverb, give them an example. And they're like, no, you're trying to make me be you. I don't want to be you. And so when we communicate in the interpersonal dynamic, if you are going into a territory that you have no background on, you don't know anything about these people, but you have to get a project done. If you don't know anything about these people, but these are people you have to work with. If you don't know anything about these people and this person decided that they like you and they want to ask you on a date, you have to listen very carefully. And this is where you employ the listening skills. And this is where your listening comprehension comes in. And listening comprehension is so important in life because if you talk to couples that have been married for a really long time, a husband comes home and he's grumpy and he don't want to talk and he flies off the handle over some small trivial thing, the wife will be like, well, what's going on with you? This isn't you. Because there was a baseline of behavior that was established. And it just calls for a little bit more consciousness concerning people in your surrounding area. But mostly 
Let's start in families. People would tell you, many people who have children that would have attempted or committed suicide, that I didn't see that they were going to do this. I'm surprised. I didn't know they were so unhappy. I, I didn't see it. I didn't see that they were feeling this way. And I'll give you an example. When I worked at a university in a library, there was this one student and she was always happy and bubbly. And then I watched her slowly change. I, I can't really describe it other than I saw the color start to drain from her. She wasn't as bright. She wasn't as effervescent. She wasn't herself, but she would, would present a caricature of who she used to be when with her friends. But I felt that something was wrong. I don't know if it's the intuitive side of me, but I felt that something was wrong. I saw that something was off. And I would make a special effort to ask her, how are you? How are you doing? I knew that she was from a different island. And I knew she may have been homesick, missing her mom, her dad, her family, and living in the big city. I made a special effort to reach out to her, to talk to her, to try and draw her out of this dark space that was slowly encroaching on her and subverting her personality. And then there was one day when she came in, and she would have been at her absolute lowest. But she was functional in classes, so nobody could tell. She was conversational. She was verbal. It wasn't like she was just someplace sitting with a rain cloud over her head. No. She functioned in class. She interacted with her with her classmates, and she went out with them. Everything like that. It wasn't like, you know, she just one day was goth. No. But she was only functioning. She wasn't participating um, from what I saw. And so came into the library one day and she brought all the books that she would have borrowed and she paid her fines up. And it, it was obvious to me that she was getting ready to do something because of the her body language and her verbiage. It was disconcerting to me. I felt like something was drastically wrong. And I think I may have lent her a pen. And so she came and she brought the pen to me. And I would have lo loaned her this pen like months ago, four or five months ago. She's like, oh, I just want to give you this pen that you loaned me. It was really a good pen. You know, I told her, I said, but I loaned that to you months ago. I even forget that I loaned you this pen. I said, you can keep it. And she was like, no. I don't want to keep it. I'm just done. And she proceeded to walk off. And so I held her hand to hold her in place. And I said, what do you mean you're done? So she said to me, she said, well, I said, I've turned in everything. I've turned in all my assignments. And I, I'm going home to end it all. I can't anymore. I can't. This course of study is too hard. I have this one lecturer that is writing me. She doesn't like me. And I've already failed a course with this lecturer twice. If I fail this time, I'm going to be, they're going to kick me out of this program, this educational program. I can't do it anymore. And what she said, I'm telling you what she said. And I'm telling you what I heard. What I heard was a cry for help. And what I understood is that she needed an immediate intervention. So 
I didn't panic. I said to her, you're going to go kill yourself. That's fine. I said, but don't you think, don't you think that you'd probably want to go home for the weekend and see your family first? I'm sure it's been about eight, nine months. You might want to take a trip. And so she considered it and she said, you know, I could take a trip, but I don't have no money. So I said, I'll buy you a one-way ticket. Go home. Go see your mom and your dad. I said, I know you have your mindset on this suicide thing, but why not take a trip first? She said, okay, she would take a trip. She didn't have anything up that weekend. And I went right online and I purchased her a ticket to go home. She went home. She had some home-cooked food. She was with her family again. She was re-socialized into things that were predictable and uncomfortable for her. And when she went home, she had a boyfriend and he proposed to her. And so all of these wonderful things happened because an intervention was made. So something was said, I heard, and then I understood. She was crying out saying, I'm homesick. This is hard. This is unfamiliar. I can't do it. And at that time, I didn't even have uh, my counseling practitioner certification yet. But I just knew that something immediate needed to happen for this little person so that she could continue or that she would be empowered to press on and to live. I went to that island on a vacation and she was the nurse in charge of the clinic. And she said to me, I am so glad that you were there to hear me. Because I felt like I was screaming at the top of my lungs and no one was hearing me. Nobody was seeing me. I was invisible. I was inaudible and I felt so helpless. And so there are times when your words and your actions or lack thereof could cause someone their life. And you might be like, Virgo, listen, I have enough on my plate. I can't look out for everybody, but maybe you are the person that needs to be seen and you are the person that needs to be heard. If you need to reach out, let's have a conversation. I'm an email away and I am willing to just hear you, but I am not a doctor. I'm a counseling practitioner. I help you to be equipped and enabled to face your challenges as they arise. I can't diagnose any mental illness. But what I do is, I'm a listening professional in the helping professions. And so if you need to be heard, if you are drowning, if this is the last straw, the straw that broke the camel's back, and you've been getting the villain edit, and you're confused as to why you're getting this villain edit. Then you reach out and talk to me, and I'll try my best to get right back to you as quick as I can so that we can design our emotional toolboxes to help us get the job done. Because there are times when you just need a Phillips head screwdriver, that's all you need. Or you might have 
a screw that's foreign. You don't even know what screwdriver tip you need for that. That's why I love a multi-tool. A multi-tool has a, a screw tip for any screw you would ever encounter. Any screw. That's why I love them. I always have a small um, multi-tool with me that helps me to, you know, sometimes you need a knife, sometimes you need a screwdriver, sometimes you need a can opener, whatever. I love Swiss Army knives. And so that's what we're trying to do. This is what I want to help you to do to get yourself an emotional multi-tool that would help you to be as best prepared as you can for every eventuality. Of course, we can't anticipate every single thing that we'd encounter, but at least we'd be balanced enough to face it with grace and class and dignity so that even if we get the villain at it, we don't believe the hype that's being put around us, just probably incorporating the word no, but setting a boundary is a defining factor of our character. So I just want to thank you for tuning in today, Reverberation. We're going to try to upload something every week. Don't forget to leave your comment. Thank you so much for tuning in. May you make today great. May you realize that the things that are before us and the things that surround us are tiny compared to what lies within us. Be blessed. Live your best life. Have a wonderful day and continue to paint the world beautiful.